All right. Hello, everybody. We're back with another episode of Recovery Friends Podcast. Um, tonight, we have a really special guest, my, uh, my good friend Curtis from New Jersey. Well, from New Orleans now, I would say. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say you're a New Orleans guy. Yeah, you know, for sure. Jersey boy at heart. Always. <laughs> you know what they say. You could uh, you take the boy at the jersey, but but can't take the jersey at the boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's really original. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I was hoping you had like a really like jersey thing about it. <laughs> All right. So uh, real, real quick before we get into the podcast, um, just a little explanation of what we are. We're just a, a podcast where um, people who used to have um, a really bad drug and alcohol problem, couldn't stop. Um, now, for some some reason or or the other, they don't drink, use anymore. <laughs> and believe it or not, a lot of us are really happy. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so we thought it'd be a cool thing to have people on and just talk about that experience. And maybe, you know, maybe somebody's out there listening and thinking, I'll never be able to get my shit together. Uh, we're a bunch of, you know, well, I'm a fuck up. And then there's a lot of people who would call who identify as, as, as fuck ups. And we're kind of, you know, we're doing things kind of relatively successful today. So a couple, two tree of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we don't, we're not at any 12 step programs. We're not, we don't speak for any treatment centers or 12 step programs. We just, you know, trying to uh, share some, some experience in hopes that maybe somebody can get some hope. Um, so yeah, with that, um, I'll, uh, you know, we can start wherever you want to start, man. If, uh, cool. You know, just tell your. Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm actually, uh, I, I'm glad that you that you introduce it the way that you do, um, uh, you know, and and we were speaking briefly before we started this, but uh, I like the fact that uh, the platform this for this whole thing isn't um, isn't something that boxes us into uh, rep recovery is or what it should be. Um, under the guise of, of, you know, a lot of the stuff that most of us have been through. Yeah. Uh, uh, Anthony on the last episode yeah. said something that was really interesting. He said, uh, cause he worked in, in like in recovery fields and he said he was doing a, a training and, and some of some people already heard this, but he said that the lady said there's 28 people, 28 million people in the world, um, in recovery and 2% of those account for AA. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, AA is very effective and it works, you know, and that's how I got sober. That's how know? I got sober as well, for sure. So, but uh, it's nice to hear other perspectives and to know that there's other avenues as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, and again, we're sitting here uh, just kind of tooling around with the guitar. And before I get into like my whole story, um, you know, I think it's, it's picking the guitar up. That was a perfect metaphor for um, really everything that I'm about to go into, to be quite honest with you. Um, and, and especially when we start talking about things like, you know, we throw out these concepts, uh, you know, God and spirituality and all the things that we hear, whether it be through rehab or, or, or 12 step or, you know, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's my first, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. First time. Easy on me, man. It's my first time. Yeah. I don't know why I don't just say, could you get a little bit closer to the mic? I'm, so, so I'm like, I'm, I'm pointing and you're like, what there's somebody watching. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all good. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, picking up that guitar, uh, it's something I picked up a few months ago. Um, and uh, as I was uh, conveying to you before, something that I've 
uh, <laughs> gone into with, uh, you know, a heroin addict's zeal, mm. if you will. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I got sober November 2nd, 2011. So I just celebrated seven years. Wow. And, uh, you know, that experience, just like so many that I've had in the past seven years, um, for me completely quantifies the things that I learned very early on or the things that people try to explain to me in a way that I couldn't comprehend for a long time, still can in a lot of ways. Um, but having seven years of experiencing those things behind me, um, I get it now. Hmm. And, uh, and you know, just th this last experience of playing guitar, it, it's, it's, you know, it's so much more than just, you know, sitting down and like, you know, learning something new or, or, you know, having this thing to, to occupy my time. It's the fact that this is, it's something that I was never able to do before. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and for me, like setting these little goals, things that I've done throughout yeah. the last few years and then like, and doing it. That's the best, that's, that's, that's like where the meat is right there. That's Dude, awesome stuff. Yeah. Like doing it. I like, never did shit before. And I was like, yeah. I talked about it around a coffee table at like 5 AM, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and to see that, like actually putting in, like, it seems so like, duh, but like actually putting in work gets results. <laughs> You're like, holy shit. If I just do this a lot, I get better at it. It's mind blowing. <laughs> it's mind blowing. Yeah. And anybody, you know, anybody who, you know, is listening to this, uh, you know, playing guitar stuff, dude, mm. <laughs> like it's really yeah. difficult to learn. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of focus and a lot of time. And the way that I always was prior to was I wanted things to happen in a heartbeat, yeah. you know, and I love that instant gratification and, <laughs> and we'll get into that in a second, you know, but uh, the best things in life have nothing to do with instant gratification. Um, wow. It's taken me a long time to learn that, but you know, so yeah, I got a, I just, I'm going to start with my last day. So literally about seven years and change ago, mm. um, it was, it was right after Halloween, in New Jersey, but it was on Halloween day. I'll never forget. It, it was a, it was a weird snowstorm. Um, and I went to my buddy's house and I had been on a run for, for a few months after, you know, tons and tons of relapses. And uh, I went to my buddy's house and I was ready. Like I was at that point where I was like, I, I just, I can't, mm. I can't, you know, I can't do this anymore. Don't know what to do. I can't do it. Um, and him and his wife called me out in his kitchen, <laughs> you know, so here I am, you know, literally 120 pounds soaking wet, you know, yeah. uh, the, the whole nine dude, um, you know, in a nod at their kitchen table. And they're like, uh, you know, Kurt, you, uh, you need some help dude. You know, <laughs> like what are you talking about? You know, uh, I'm good. I'm good. You got 20 bucks. No. Um, <laughs> well, you, 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 did you say, I'm, I'm sorry, but did you say you were living with them? No, no, no. I had just stopped by their house okay. like on Halloween <laughs> night. Just stop by their house and for whatever like, reason. Holy shit. So. Well, and, and right. <laughs> and in all seriousness, you know, there was a part of me at the time, and I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but things that I used to do, um, uh, you know, I would, uh, I would go into meetings uh, when I was really high, you know, and, and my wife could tell you the story about this one meeting I used to go into all the time and I'd sit in the back in the pew and I'd nod out. But it was there was a sense of comfort, mm -hmm. you know. I would go to my like my mom's and my dad's. I would go to these places where I felt comfortable, mm -hmm. almost yearning for them to call me out of my shit. Please, yeah. somebody I like I can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> come on, throw me a bone here too. <laughs> like what the fuck. Um, so anyway, you know that was uh, you know left his house um, on but, my and that and you got it with your friends. They 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 did that. Well, yeah. they called you out. 
right? You said, to call me out. Yeah. Which was, you know, it was the catalyst. Yeah. It was. Like that night, sitting at that table, they called me out. I left their house and um, I'm driving home and uh, I took all my needles. I had a big bag. I was on the needle exchange program. Um, so I had a big bag of needles and I threw it out in a dumpster um, by this supermarket near where I lived. I had no gas in my car and I live like a hike from the hood. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was work to go to go cop. And um, I was like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to kick in the apartment, you know, like so many of us do. Mm. Um, it's a very, uh, very common story. Um, but I had done this so many times and I uh, woke up the next day. Uh, no needles, no money, no dope, no gas. And the guy that I was living with was somebody who I'd been rehabbing with, you know, for <laughs> a long time, yeah. you know, uh, and, uh, you know, VA rehabs are funny like that. Oh. You know, it's like, uh, uh, it's like being, you know, in college or, or, you know, part of a fraternity. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, yeah, University of Boston, 98. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so, you know, he wasn't home. I wake up the next day. He's out at work. I start kicking and, um, he had a big coffee can, a big, Ma I'll never forget it. Maxwell house gallon coffee can filled with change oh yeah and i was like it wasn't like oh, i'm gonna go get high and keep running it was i'm gonna take that change i'm gonna pack a bag i'm gonna go get what i need to get to go to the emergency room because anybody out there who's been through this knows you're not gonna sit in the ER for seven hours waiting to go up to the psych ward kicking dope it's just not gonna happen so yeah. i need to get right before i go yeah um took the can of change shot down did what i had to do went to the er and, uh, and that started this whole process. That was my last, my uh, last usage. Your last debauch. My last debauch. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, so, you know, how do we get to that place from like, you know, uh, middle class, yeah. you know, working class, New Jersey. Um, uh, I bet you were a wonderful young man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, Actually, or, or a kid, you know, yeah, but you yeah. were a great kid. I was. You know, who thinks you're going to wind up like where you were? Exactly. It's like it doesn't make any sense. It, well, you know, it, it doesn't and it does yeah. at, on, on, at the same time. Um, and the irony of that, or really the paradox of that is, yeah. is interesting. And um, I was listening to uh, one of your other podcasts and... Uh, shout and, out. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, holla back. Um... <laughs> You know, he, he, it was Anthony uh -huh. was, was talking about, um, uh, you know, he, he was going into his story and, 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 you know, growing up and the family dynamics and stuff like that and genetic predisposition. And it's a lot of things that we hear about, you know, um, mm -hmm. especially like through the rehabbing industry, if you yeah. will. Um, and, and I am, I'm a firm believer in that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, totally genetically predisposed. Um, but I'm also someone who doesn't believe just like, you know, if you're genetically predisposed to heart disease or diabetes, um, it, it doesn't really mean anything except that, hey, you know, my grandma, my 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 grandfather, my aunt, my uncle, they all died of diabetes. Yeah. And your doctor says, well, you may not want to eat like nine blow pops every day, dude. Yeah. You know, um, so you don't have to go that that route. You don't have to go that route. Yeah. Period. Um, brothers and sisters who aren't that way. Um, but you know, uh, I got it from mom and dad. Um, so, you know, normal middle-class New Jersey grew up, um, in, in somewhat of a comfortable environment. Um, um, uh, my mom, um, she was on her second marriage hmm. and, uh, and my stepdad at the time was, you know, not the best guy in the world. 
and uh, ended up cheating on her and, and, and a whole bunch of stuff went on. And, you know, it was a really shitty situation. And, um, you know, at the time I was, you know, before high school, did really good in school. I was a good, I was a good kid, you know, I really was. And like, we joke about that, but, um, but you know, all the classic signs were there. You know, I did sneak potato chips downstairs, like eat a whole bag at a clip and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and just, you know, stupid shit like that. I did that last night. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's amazing. I was right? going to save some of them, dude. That's why I went and bought another bag. And... Right. <laughs> it's amazing how it manifests yeah. still. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, so nothing out of the ordinary. Um, my obsessions at the time were like normal stuff, like kid stuff. Um, I got really into playing lacrosse Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I used to go across street from my house was a school and I would throw the ball against the wall for hours on end, literally hours on end. Um, but you know, uh, as time went on, um, uh, I ended up going to the Navy right after high school. And this is 1997, mind you. So it's like the epitome of peacetime. Oh, yeah. There's like, I'm, I'm going in here. I'm not going to be seeing any action. Nothing. Yeah. Whatsoever. <laughs> it's like dude. the best time to join. Yeah. Well, really no. Was. That was right before 9 Well, not long before 9 11, though. Well, no. And, and I'll, 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 I'll get into that in a second. But uh, <laughs> you thought it was the best time. I thought it was. And it was for like three years <laughs> and 10 months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I yeah. went in September 1st, 97. And, uh, you know, when I think back to that time and anybody, again, anybody listening, uh, if you're a zenial, okay. Which I, I think is the, uh, the new term for, yeah, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a zenial 82, I'm 79. So we fall in that range, yeah. right? I think it's like what? 78 to like 83. We, needed, we just needed to have like a, a, a unique <laughs> title. Of course we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw it on the old interwebs, I was, interwebs, like, oh, I was yeah. like, that's me, dude. Yes. <laughs> Um, but you know, interestingly enough, it really does, it, it really does quantify a very, uh, specific period of time where, yeah. you know, and you can remember there was yeah. no cell phones there was no, hmm. you know, like I used to call my mom from the payphone. I go to the party. I'm sleeping at Tom's house. We're watching point break again. She'd be like, dude, you're watching point. Haven't you watched that movie like <laughs> every weekend for the last like five years, you know? Um, but you can get away with so much shit, man. Like yeah. it was great. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> it was awesome. Great times. <laughs> um, so, you know, and then I go in the Navy and, and, and then really my only decision at the time to go into the Navy was I want to travel and I couldn't get into any of the schools that I applied to because, um, I just didn't go, do well in school. Not because at that point I was like, you know, blowing Coke in the bathroom. I just, I had no focus. Yeah. I like to walk the hallways and I just, you know, I never brought a book home. So you know, go in the Navy and that really, it, it really, when I think back to that time period of me really learning what an alcoholic I was, not even in the sense of imbibing at that point, but of all the people that I met. And, you know, when, if you haven't been in the military, you got to understand you have, you know, a group of 18 year old guys, mostly uh, living together. Um, and, and more so than college where like, you know, yeah, maybe you're like 20 minutes away from where you grew up, you know, half the people there like, yeah. great, you're going to frat houses, you know, I'm in like San Diego yeah. going to Tijuana with guys that like, you know, grew up in Chicago and grew up in LA and like, you have all of these sick minds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and, and people who join the military are like, not, you're um, not right. They're, they're different than, they, than guys, <laughs> yeah. than people who go to college. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You're, you know, yeah, you're a little different to begin with, you <laughs> yeah. know, and then you throw me in Tijuana. Oh yeah. 
you know, and um, so the moral of that story is I learned a lot of uh, really fucked up shit, you know, at a really young age and uh, a very efficient way of doing it, um, which I thought was great, you know. Um, uh, but that's really, you know, uh, that's really where everything took off. And, uh, I think it's a very, very classic, typical story of most people that, you know, um, whether it's your college years, but it's like that, you know, post high school, college, whatever yeah. you arrive, your arrival, my arrival. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to quote a lot. Of <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean, that's exactly what it is, you know? Um, uh, yes, I have arrived for sure. <laughs> um, and, and, and again, like, you know, things really didn't start to speed up for me. Um, until when we talk about nine 11, mm. um, you know, I was stationed in England for two years. Um, I lived in the South of England and, uh, you know, again, you're talking about like, you know, the height of, you know, uh, you know, clubs and ecstasy and like all of these things and everything that I was doing. I mean, I used to take pride in the fact that ecstasy. every port I visited <laughs> literally in the world outside of Bahrain, because trust me, there's no fucking drugs there. Uh, uh I found, I yeah. found drugs everywhere. Um, and it really was just, just made eye contact. You just know immediately. Boom, dude. There was this guy I was in, I was in Croatia mm -hmm. and, uh, I had my, I was going to get off the ship and I was going to find E. like, I'm finding rolls no matter what. And we get off the ship and, uh, we're sitting in a bar and all my buddies are drinking. Of course I didn't want to drink cause that was going to ruin my role. And I'm looking, I'm just like looking around, waiting for the eye contact. And there's this dude sitting at a picnic table at this bar, outdoor patio bar. Rolling his nuts off, dude. It's like, you know, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Just rolling his nuts off. Face all contorted. Yeah. So, of course, I look <laughs> around and I'm like, and nobody's really, you know, these guys aren't really like me. I'm like, all right, guys, Annie up, you know. And I go over to this dude and I sit down. And I'm like, what's up, man, you know. And he points to this old guy sitting next to him. And like this, like, unassuming old Croatian dude. Uh -huh. He just points to him. And the guy gives me a look. He's like, what do you need? Broken English. He's like, meet me back here 15 minutes. And you know, whatever you want. He hands me his number. I had, his name was Dodo, D-O-D-O, -D -O, <laughs> I swear to God, dude. I had it written on that piece of paper in my wallet for years. Wow. It, it was in just case such you a, ever go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was such a cool story. I'm like, yo, Dodo, hooked it up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was, uh, and that really, that story, again, uh, really summed up yeah. my, my military. It was maximum fun, minimum consequences. Yeah. Um, get out July 601, uh, nine 11 happens. Mm. And again, you know, I live in New Jersey at the time and, uh, that was, uh, and I didn't know it at the time, but it was fucking life changing for me. Um, and anybody who's been through Katrina, um, is probably the only, you know, comparable, uh, catastrophe, you know, really, yeah. um, uh, there was something that happened um, and, and, and so I, I worked for my father, I got in the Navy, worked for my dad, owns an HVAC company in New Jersey. Um, and we drove to a building in Jersey city and, you know, we're literally watching this thing burn, wow. you know, watching the twin towers burn from this building. And, uh, it was, it was extremely surreal, especially for a young mind like that. You know, I'm just getting in the Navy that got the whole world in front of me. Wow. Like everything's right in the world. And then boom, this thing happens wow. and it's at your doorstep. And, you know, so I, I know people, I know people in the city, I have friends, family, like, you know, it's pervasive where I live, um, at least the, the fallout from it. Yeah. Um, and there was really this subconscious uh, twist in my head that it was like the ultimate just fuck it, dude. Yeah. Like, fuck it. What, what is all this for? Um, 
And that's really, I think, you know, and it took me a long time to really pinpoint when that flip took place. And it hadn't, again, this had nothing to do with, you know, uh, my first line of cocaine or like, you know, this was really, it was really a PTSD moment. Yeah. Um, and from there it was just, that was it, dude. Yeah. So you make it out of the military without PSD. Without PTSD. PTSD. You're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like, wow. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, my worst experience in the military was like, you know, uh, not being able to like hook up cause I was rolling too hard or something, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah. So, um, you know, dating a girl, uh, at this time. And, um, you know, this is like post high, high school, um, sweetheart was with me the whole time I was in the military and, uh, uh you know, get out, think we're going to live happily, you know, ever after everything's going to be great. And, and it would have been if it wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I start getting heavy into coke. I start getting heavy into all the other drugs, hanging out with the wrong people again. You know, the, the, the same old, the same old thing that, that happens to a lot of us. Um, you know, and not really able to see it at the time so much. Um, and I do remember there was it's probably about 2002, and I had started the the uh, you know trying to not really do coke at the time. That was the big thing. It was yeah. you know. So now I'm spending all my money, you know, Friday rolls around. I overdraft my bank account. Yeah. You know, I owe Wachovia 70 bucks from the overdrafts yeah. from the last week. So now I'm like $70 shy and then I'm spending my whole paycheck on Coke and I can't buy any food, you know, and the whole thing. So, you know, and that went on for a few months and, and then I'm like, oh, okay, I need to like not do cocaine anymore. Yeah. This is, you know, <laughs> this is bad stuff. Um, but I can never, like smoking weed was just placebo effect for me yeah you know like wake up roll a joint smoke a joint in the morning before i had my first cup of coffee like wow. there's no possible way that i was not ever gonna able be able or want or need to stop smoking weed yeah didn't even think about it um alcohol i could see because alcohol and coke were peanut butter and jelly yeah. so even at the time like okay if i don't drink i won't do coke like i could put that much together yeah. but um couldn't stop smoking pot yeah it's so, so funny because like for me it was like alcohol was the thing and i think and i don't know if it's like this it's like that for a lot of people but for me alcohol was the thing that was like benign and not mm. not as bad and marijuana just made me cuckoo <laughs> so right. so like if i if i smoked and i didn't drink um i would lose my mind but if i drank first and then smoked mm. it was an amazing experience and i'd always be like dude i think i'm a genius <laughs> Because I'm figuring all kind of shit out, right? Like in my, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, it's weird how like it's, it's it's interesting to see how like for some people, it's like a, a, another guest was saying, James was saying like how he, for him alcohol was like out of the question. He mm. knew in the jump that he needed to stay away from that stuff. Yeah, and that's like a, I guess like in the culture maybe down here, like alcohol is just like part of life, right? You know, right. it's just it's just like water. Yeah. You know? Well, and again, I think it's one of those things when, you know, in terms of like the substances themselves and how yeah. we all react to them. Um, and I'll give you a good example. Yeah. Um, ketamine was huge where I was from. Yeah. You know, I have friends that I grew up with that would go out and do ketamine 
you know, and would never even think about doing like Coke or like any of these other drugs. Yeah. And like you come to most other places, like down here, I say the word ketamine and they're like, <gasps> what the fuck? Yeah. That Dude, sounds crazy. That's horrible. Don't, I, you, don't, don't you like chop your own arms off right, when you're on that shit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I think. Right. Yeah. They're like, ketamine. Oh my God. You know, but it, it's, and I think that is one of those geographic things. Yeah. You know, exactly. You go out West yeah. and people like are tweaked out. Yeah. You know, tweaked out. You go to the East, everybody's dope. Like, it's just one of those things. Yeah. For me, um, alcohol from the get-go was I drink alcohol, especially with my military experience. Cause yeah. we, as you can imagine, drank a lot of alcohol. Um, I drink alcohol. I do stupid shit, Yeah, which then transformed into, I drink alcohol, I get cocaine mm -hmm. and I spend all my money, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so again, it was very easy for me to at least put those pieces together and, uh, you know, but I couldn't stop smoking weed. So 2002, um, I, I get arrested for the first time. Now that girlfriend, uh, this sweet girl that I was dating, um, at that point in time had no idea that I even knew what Coke looked like. Um, I get pulled over, I get mm -hmm. arrested. The cops find Coke in my, in, in my car and, um, she's in the back seat. It was, yeah. I mean, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> like, who I'm are like, you? I'm holding the cop's arm. Like, hold me back. Please lock me up from this girl. Cause she's going to fucking kill me. Oh, wow. You know, way more afraid of her than the cops at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, um, so that, you know, that was like, that was the first arrest experience. That was the first, like, I'm starting to suffer consequences from this thing. And, um, I get put on probation, you know, you do the whole PTI thing. It's a big joke. I'm in school at the time, you know, I went to, uh, whatever. And um, I'd show up to my probation office all dressed and clean cut and, mm -hmm. um, you know, walk past all of the, the crackheads and the dope fiends. And uh, my probation officer would come running out. He'd be like, Curtis, oh my God, so good to see you. And I couldn't pass a drug test. Yeah, I'd fail every drug test every month. He'd be like, dude, listen, all you have to do is give me one clean test. I won't make you come down here anymore. And I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, not for anything else, but smoking pot. Wow. And this is this. So this is what would happen. And, and you know, what I'm about to tell you again is going to quantify the next almost 10 years, 11 years of my life. Okay. Um, so I would leave probation. I would fail a drug test. I would tell myself that I'm not going to smoke pot. Right. Because I'm going to fail a drug test. Um, and then I would smoke pot on the way out of the probation office. Right. And then I wake up the next day and I'd be like, well, I got three weeks. And then yeah. I would go to the head shop and I'd buy the detoxing shit, right? And I'd be like, well, I got this stuff, so two weeks should be good. Yeah. And then I'd go two weeks and then I'd be like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> That's what, it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Um, and that exact cycle is what would follow me for over. the next decade. Over and over again, dude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went to my first meeting in 2003. It was the next year. My uncle, who is a recovered... Uh, alcoholic as well, just celebrated uh, 19 years, 18, wow. 19 years. Um, and he was like, he was my angel, dude. He was my guardian angel. Um, uh, and anybody, again, listening, Andy, uh, I always tell him, reminds me of this individual, oh. my uncle I'm talking <laughs> about. It's, it's actually really weird, but uh, in the best way possible. Um, and uh, in the angelic way. In the angelic, of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Um, and, uh, you know, he brought me to my first meeting, dude. And, you know, uh, it, w it was a nonstop 
cycle of trying to put on the facade to prove to everybody else that I was just okay enough that I can continue doing the things uh-huh. um, that I thought I wanted to do but really needed to do at the time. And um, that would go on for a long time to the point where, you know, at one point, 2004, 2005, I was involved with GSYP in New Jersey, um, which, is? which is the pod of, of New Jersey, um, oh, okay. which is the young people's, yeah, yeah. Uh, young people's program. Uh, in New Jersey, he was the treasurer, the chairman at the time, and I would go to the you know GSYP conference every year, um, and I can never celebrate 90 days. Um, I think at one point in time, I was actually designing the website <laughs> for GSYP. Somebody had handed it over to me, and I would literally sit there. And you know, sometimes it, it pains me to even say this, but you know, it's just what happened. You know, I'd be smoking a joint as I was designing changing things on the website for GSYP of Alcoholics Anonymous in New Jersey. <laughs> but, 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 but I looked, everything looked good on the outside yeah. and that's all I cared about. And, um, you know, uh, so the, like the lies upon lies upon lies would just build and build and build. And, um, you know, I, but that, that girl that I told you, uh, I got arrested with in the back seat. She finally, you know, we broke up, she had enough of me and uh, I started dating, uh, this other girl and, um, you know, and the reason why, why I tell the story is because you talk about conforming things to, uh, for me, the way that I was living. Um, and, and it was, you know, the constant degradation of, of my life and my environment really for my, if, uh, assimilating myself to my environment in a way where I make myself comfortable enough to justify the things that I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that makes any sense, but. As an example, I started dating this girl who was the complete opposite of the previous girl I was yeah. dating, who was, you know, had her shit together, responsible, wanted a family, wanted somebody who wasn't getting pulled over with cocaine in their car. And uh, started dating this other girl who was was me in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, she was like a vacuum dude. You know, she <laughs> would come to Newark with me to cop. She knew all yeah. the same dealers I knew. She, you know, would come to the club. Like everything that I was doing, she was right. She was my running partner. Yeah. And for me, and I know this may sound odd, uh, at least when I tell people this, uh, it, it, I see their eyes are kind of like, uh, but to me it made sense where the previous girlfriend I always had a lie to. Yeah. It was a constant lie. Um, you know, where yeah, I was, who I was with, what I was doing. It's just hard. Dude. Sounds incredibly difficult. It's like a job, dude. Yeah. Constantly yeah. lying. God. And with the next girlfriend, I never had a lie. Wow. So as sick as the relationship was, and let me tell you, dude, it was sick. It was healthier in some other ways. It was extremely healthy in other ways. Yeah. Because I felt like at least for the first time in a long time, I was being honest with somebody. Oh man, and that just like <laughs> right? just hearing that. I know it sounds good, like yeah. you say it sounds great, but it, just hearing it like makes me feel some relief. Like, right? Oh man, like, oh, you're, you're not going to judge me. I just you know I just yeah. laid out you know two jars of ketamine on this microwave dish, and you're like, sweet dude, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and 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 it was great for a while, just for that reason. Yeah. Um, obviously, <laughs> that fizzled out after a while. And, um, you know, uh, then the geographic started, started occurring. And, uh, uh, so in 2006, another really big moment for me, not so much, um, you know, it, I think back to this as a spiritual experience in the sense that it really opened my eyes to how far down the scale I'd gone. Mm. Um, and again, I said, I worked for my dad for a long time 
And, um, you know, one of the things that goes along with that is the ability for him to put up with a lot of shit. And I had gone on a really bad run one week. It was July 4th weekend, 2006. Uh, and I ended up, you know, holed up in a hotel room with my dealer. And um, I ended up going back to my father's office and stealing a bunch of cash that I knew he had to continue to get high with. Showed mm-hmm. back up at work like, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday and he walked into his office and he was in tears and he's like, I got to let you go, dude. You know, I, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. You, you got to go. Yeah. And um, he fired me, went back to the girl's house that I've been living with. Of course, Elise was in her name and everything's mm-hmm. in her name because she's a fuck up, but I'm much more of a fuck <laughs> up. And she's like, you got to go, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that was and that was kind of like that moment, like, you know, and I was good. I, I mooched off of everybody my whole life. I always had someone, dude, you know, and I always say, like, the difference between me and the dude under the bridge is that somebody always gave Kurt a couch to sleep yeah. on or a place or there was, you know, somebody I could finagle and, 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 and get things out of, yeah. you know? And then what's, what's crazy is like that guy under the bridge at some point probably he had was all like that, that too. For sure. Absolutely. You know? I mean, you, you, you uh, um, exhaust your resources at some point. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah. And I still had, you know, up until that point, I had a lot of those resources. And at that moment, I really didn't. And, um, you know, came back into the program again. Now, mind you, all this time, this is a cycle of, you know, I would get sober for a few months. The girlfriend would get sober for, you know, this is a constant yeah. in and out of the rooms, you know, N.A., A.A., you know, N.E.A. People know you. People know. I, I, I mean, I'm kind of a big deal, you know, in the rooms at the time. <laughs> Yeah, uh, not at all, actually. But, <laughs> y- you know, um, going to meetings, yeah. you know, fervently. On yeah. And um, uh, so I decide to I decide, New Jersey is my problem, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck my dad and his company. I don't need them. How fuck dare this him. one. Fuck that one. How, how dare everybody. <laughs> um, I'm going to call my buddy from the Navy who lives in Cincinnati, who I knew was had his shit together. It was pretty well off, knew a bunch of people that are pretty well off. And now I was going to change my entire life. Uh, I'm going to move to Cincinnati. and I'm going to start over again, which is basically me saying, I'm going to go continue mooching off of another person. In yeah, another city. that's it. And, um, yeah. And, uh, so did the geographic that didn't work. And, um, that was about three years in 2009. I ended up, in uh, Cincinnati VA in a detox there, um, you know, put on Suboxone and, you know, those last, so those last, really it was three years, the beginning is January 09, December 2008, up until when I got sober in 2011, um, I lived in a VA, which is a Veterans Administration, um, either halfway house, psych ward, domiciliary, some sort of VA facility for three years. Um, from Cincinnati to upstate New York to the eastern end of Long Island to New Jersey. Um, and, <laughs> you know, what happened in that time span was um, me utilizing the system to enable myself to continue to relapse, um, but constantly trying, like I take one step forward and two, two steps mm-hmm. back, you know. Um, but yeah, man, and then that last go around, you know, I was living in uh, the domiciliary in Lyons, New Jersey, um, I had relapsed once again and uh, started that run, which led up to um, that last usage. Mm. And, you know, and before we get into, you know, what, what, what's gone on since, um, the one thing that I did do um, the last time, so I was, I was away for nine months. Um, I went back to, you know, to detox, which in the VA is, is essentially the psych ward. 
um, went to a three-month intens- intensive inpatient program and then went out to another program in Long Island for six months. Um, and I got a sponsor while I was in rehab out there, mm. right? Um, and, uh, and for me, you know, really, I started to go through the work. I started to go through the steps. I was taking the train home from the eastern end of Long Island to New Jersey on, on my weekends off uh, to make amends to, to people to, you know, to do all these things that in the previous decade I had yeah. always said I was going to do. Oh, I'm going to get a sponsor. Yeah. I'm going to go to rehab and then, you know, I'll get out and then I'll get a sponsor. Yeah. It was your first, like, it somewhat was, honest attempt. It was my first real surrender yeah. to not so much a surrender. It was my first, like, you know, I was one of those people who, and a lot of people have different stories in, in, in the sense that, you know, they don't beat their head against the wall so many times, you know? And I literally was surrounded by AA for 10 years <laughs> while try, you know, trying to, you know, to maintain some semblance of sobriety and can never do it. Yeah. And I exhausted every option within that community, you know? And it's why like, you know, when I see people now who are like, oh, that dude's never going to get it. He's been, you know, I see him at this meeting every year, every week. Yeah. And it's like, I was that dude. Yeah. That's my wife, dude. She'll <laughs> tell you, <Yeah. laughs> you know? And, um, you know, and that was really, and, and that was the turning point, man. Yeah. You know, um, that, that was the, that was the precipice that I, that I finally got to, um, where, I was, I, was, I was willing to start doing some shit differently. And real quick before we take a break, okay. um, I just want to tell a really cool story. Tell it. Um, which, which again, like really quantifies and, and slammed home for me these things that we do and these things we call the steps and this work and these programs. Um, I had left Long Island and I, and, and, and I went to go live with my buddy who had finally, I kind of made quick amends with him over the course of the nine months I was away, but he said I can go live with him again. He was sober. Yeah. And, um, I get back to New Jersey, get back in my car that was parked in the hospital parking lot from when I left it nine months prior. Oh. And sitting on the floor of the passenger seat was the Maxwell House coffee can. And uh, I had my little money that I had saved up while I was away in rehab. And it went straight to the bank. And it was $163. I'll never forget it. <laughs> the Coinstar machine, right? $163 I got in different types of change, quarters and, and, and nickels and pennies. And I put it back in the, in the Maxwell house thing. And I went up, you know, to my buddy, got to the house and I was able to hand him that in tears, dude, yeah. and make proper amends to him. And not just in a way where, you know, and the reason why that was so important, because for so many years, like so many of us, it was sorry, dude, you know, my bad. Yeah. I and mean, I'm not going to do uh, this anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know me, <laughs> you know? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good old Kurt, you yeah. know? And this was really like, you know, I was so like my heart was pumping out of my chest as I was on my way to the bank to get this change to give to this man yeah. as an apology and an, not an, an amends yeah. to right this wrong that I had done him. And, uh, you know, I get chills just telling that story, man, it was a really powerful experience. And, 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 and he was in tears and we hugged and, and of course I made proper amends to him, but, um, there was a lot more of those to happen. Yeah. Oh, I hope yeah. to hear some more. Yeah, I right, yeah. going to take a quick break. Uh, and we'll be right back almost immediately. It's really crazy. It's amazing how it works. <laughs> the interwebs. <laughs> All right. We're back from the break. And uh, so uh, we're going to keep going with my friend Curtis here. Uh, so you were uh, change, a uh, coffee can full of change. <laughs> coffee and can full of change. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I make that amends uh, to my buddy. And, um, you know, it, it, it started to change everything. And while I was in this rehab, so along with getting a sponsor, going through these, these things we call the steps, which I never could understand and, 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 and you know, figure out why I do this. Um, I started to do that. I started to figure out, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is why we do this. Like, I got some serious issues. Yeah. Um, apart from sticking needles in my arm. And I really got to deal with this stuff. And um, I got really, really into it. Um, I did it wholeheartedly and, um, you know, without any reservation. And I reaped those benefits. Mm. Uh, a hundredfold. Let me really. ask you something. Yeah. What ex I'm I'm six and a half years sober, and I'm yeah. not exactly sure what without reservation means. Not to put you on the spot. No, no, no. Because no. I'll say without reservation. Yeah. Sometimes, but I'm not exactly sure what what that the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> so so what I mean by that is, um, again, as opposed to the to the prior decade mm -hmm. um, that I'd attempted all this stuff, it was the first time that I had ever looked at someone and literally, and we hear this cliche a lot, but if you told me to jump, I asked how high, Oh, you know, it was please. And I yeah. told my sponsor, just tell me what I need to do. Yeah. You know, and I started to look at people and what they had, people like my uncle, knowing where they came from and seeing where they were and was able to, to, to connect at least those dots and say, well, he did this. I need to do that. Yeah. I need to do it the way that you did it. So there was no reservations in how I did it. Yeah. I did it the way that I was told and the way that I was instructed. And I did it wholeheartedly. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, I didn't question any of it because what ended up happening is not having any of those reservations as yeah. to, well, I'm going to do this and not do this. Yeah. I'm never going to make amends. I'm never going to do that uh -huh. shit. No, I'm never going to pray. You are like going to do everything. Everything. But you intended to. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. And, and did. You know, yeah. and did. Um, and and I did it in a way where, you know, I did it methodically mm -hmm. uh, the way that it's laid out um, and and literally one step at a time, as 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 corny as that may sound. Cheese ball. Um, right. Cheese ball. <laughs> but instead of constantly <laughs> trying to look ahead as to what I was going to get out all this stuff tomorrow, uh -huh. you know, like the guys I'd be in the psych ward with who would come in there. And literally, they'd still be kicking dope, and they'd be on the payphone talking to the lawyer. And I'd be like, "Dude, what are you doing? I'm talking. I need to. I need to get this case solved, uh, <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> dude. You haven't. You, you know, you're trying to fix your credit. Yeah. You haven't paid your T-Mobile bill in like a decade, dude. Like, yeah. you think it's gonna happen from the cycle? Creditkarma.com. Right. Right. You, know? <laughs> right. you know. But uh, but that's what I would. You know, mm -hmm. what most of us try to do. Yeah, and you I want to fix that. it all immediately. Boom. Yesterday. Got to be done now. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I took my time with it and I went through it and, um, and I experienced it, yeah. you know, cause I think that's so important. We have to experience these things. It can't just be intellectual. Um, it has to be an experience. Um, mm. that's what I had, man. I had an experience. And, uh, so as, as corny as this may sound again, um, I'm, I'm in this rehab and I think I, you know, I don't recall exactly, but I was definitely through my inventory process. Um, you know, I, I done my fourth, my fifth step and, uh, I was, you know, starting my amends process and I was really getting into, you know, I had a really hard time with the higher power thing, um, as a lot of us do. Um, so the good thing about the course of those 10 years of struggling is that I knew a million things that didn't work for me mm -hmm. or that I didn't, I thought weren't going to work. And I yeah. really like figured out my own way. And uh, I bought two books before I went to rehab this time. One was called, um, uh, oh man, 
um, finding happiness in a world of extremes. Uh, I've never heard of it. I'm going to plug this right here. Dr. <laughs> Lou Marinoff. Um, and the other one was why God doesn't exist. <laughs> Talk about like a dichotomy, yeah. right? Uh, so, you know, epitomize the, 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 the mental struggle I was yeah. having, the, the, you know, visceral struggle I was having. Um, and I, it is, I started to get into meditation. Mm. I, it was the one thing that I could relate to the one, something spiritual that I, I, I just, I believed in yeah. for whatever reason. And, uh, so I started like, I wake up every morning in this rehab, mind you, and I get up for everybody else and I have my coffee and I go into this room by myself and I would sit five minutes at the most, you know, but I did it consistently every morning, mm -hmm. you know, and I'd sit and I'd sit and I'd sit. And, um, I remember sitting outside one day and you know, it's the sun's coming up and like, I'm ready to do, you know, it's fucking rehab, dude. <laughs> you know, like what does my day consist of? Yeah. Like going to like appointments and doing some bullshit that really doesn't mean anything, you know, like, um, you know, going to these groups and stuff, but I'm watching that there was dew on this grass. And again, it's going to sound corny, but there's dew forming on this blade of grass. And I had this moment. Um, and I didn't know at the time if I was having like an acid flashback or like what was going on, but there was this like interconnectedness between this blade of grass and the dew on it and how the dew came from the sky and formed on this blade of grass. And then an animal would eat it and then they would poop it out and it would fertilize. And it was like this cycle. And it was like this, <gasps> Literally, like, yeah. you know, this sober psychedelic moment. Yeah. Um, because I'm someone who consumed tons of hallucinogens. Mm -hmm. um, and I was having, really, a psychedelic experience completely sober. Um, and it was really mind-blowing to me. Wow. And, um, uh, you know, again, it was just one of those moments that, like, dude, what is this? This is amazing. You know, and I would, I would get teared up and I'd experience all this joy in a rehab. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like my, like the best part of my day was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's <laughs> not a bad thing. Let's be clear. You're making this sound like it's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, man, I get out of this rehab and uh, I move back in with my buddy and you know, nothing changed, you know, really nothing mm. in my life at that, at that period of time. Uh, this was July of 2011 had changed nothing from external, nothing. Exactly. Nothing external. My environment was the same, same job, mm. went back to work for my dad again. There was a bunch of stuff that went on prior to that. I'm not going to get into, but no more keys, <laughs> no, more key. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no more keys. Listen, I love you do, but you have no access to cash <laughs> Yeah, or copper. I love scrapping copper. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and uh, you know, back living with the same dude, going back to the same meetings that I had gone to, uh, but everything was different. Mm. Everything, my perspective had started to shift. Mm. Um, my wife, um, at the time, was obviously not my wife. Um, she was actually somebody who um, I really looked up to in the program. Um, ironically enough, her ex-boyfriend uh, in 2009, uh, when I moved back to Jersey from Cincinnati, uh, was my first sponsor, the first person I ever asked to sponsor me, mm. you know, <laughs> which was complete bullshit. And yeah. that, that kind of went, I was sitting on a, outside of the VA, uh, they, they were weaning me down off of Suboxone at the time. And so I'm kicking Suboxone and he walks up and he's like, you look like you need a meeting, you know? And I'm like, fuck you. Dude. <laughs> and, uh, he brings me to this church, which is the meeting yeah. that I went back to and, um, met my wife for the first time. 
as his girlfriend. And, you know, these are people with multiple years sober, yeah. you know, and I was just this degenerate dope fiend. Um, but I get back to this area, start going to these meetings again, and my wife's there. And, uh, you know, we, we became friends. Um, and it really started because when I got back, I started... Prior to getting sober, I was going to meditation at Dharma Punks in New mm -hmm. York City um, on the Bowery and um, doing this meditation thing, um, trying as best as I could, most of the time high, but still trying. Um, and then I w started going back when I got out of rehab. And, um, and I did that faithfully, man, for a long time. You know, every Thursday I was in the city, I'd get off work, I'd drive into the city. Um, and that was, you know, alongside of, of AA, that was yeah. life changing for me. Wow. Um, because at the time, the Thursday Night Dharma Punks in New York was a group of people who, you know, whether it was overeating or undereating, you know, bulimia, um, PTSD, there was other issues yeah. outside of alcoholism and drug addiction, but it was all the same. Yeah. You know, it was the same spiritual thing that we we're all trying to deal with. Mm. Um, so it really gave me a lot of insight as to how other people who had these addictive or, or you know, uh, these mental afflictions, yeah. um, we're dealing with it outside of the realms of, uh, of a 12 step program. Um, and my, my wife wanted to come with me. She's like, Oh, you go to Dharma punks. And, uh, I was like, yeah. So we started hanging out and I started meeting a lot of her friends and, and all of these people who, you know, these were people that I looked up to, um, in the community of AA in New Jersey. Um, and I was, I, I still deem myself extremely fortunate to have been able to be surrounded by people who helped me so dramatically yeah. and really helped change and, and shift my, my perspective of not only sobriety, but of life. And one of the, one of the major things they show me is that, um, and we hear this, especially if you're listening to this and you're a millennial, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can do anything you want. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is kind of bullshit sometimes. <laughs> it really is. You know what I mean? Like when mom and dad sit there in like 2007 and slap you on your butt and they're like, you know, little, little Blake, you can be anything you, you want anything. when you do anything, you know? <laughs> you know, as opposed to my dad, <laughs> who it's, you know, you work, you, you gotta die. Get a, you gotta get a law degree. That's about it. Yeah, you're gonna, your dad listen. has an accent like that. <laughs> <laughs> you work and you fucking die. That's yeah. about it. Make the best of it. Um, so, you know, somewhere in between there, there's gotta be a balance, but anyway, I, uh, for me at the time, it really was, but well, I really can. Yeah. And, um, you know, my wife and I started to form this relationship, um, and, and, and life started to get really good, dude. Hmm. And, you know, just to touch on some things that, uh, you know, I think some misconceptions, um, uh, at least people that I, you know, I, so I work in a restaurant right, right now. Um, I went. Right now, I just got accepted to nursing school at LSU, Sweet. Um, which is pretty neat. Um, you know, a lot of the things in my life have come to fruition that um, I never thought would. And I made a lot of really difficult decisions in the meantime to get to this point. Um, and when we talk about things like, you know, having a life beyond our wildest dreams, we hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know we, we, we throw the God word around a lot. Um, and when I think about what that stuff means to me, um, so I wake up in the morning now and there's really no worry, right? I mean, do you have any worry when you get up in the morning? I mean, honestly, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about objective worries in terms of wherever you were before you got oh, sober. Oh, no, not even close. Like, it's so chill. It's Like, laughable. my life is so, like, you know, but, but I do get caught up in, the, in, in, in bullshit, though, we right? All do. Like, I do. So, like, 
Yeah, there's always like there's always something that I'm treating like like it's a crisis that's going to like destroy my existence. <laughs> right. But like when I really look at it and I really look at like my emotional state and I and I observe a day in the life of Andy yeah. T uh to in 2018, it's pretty fucking chill and pretty awesome. Leaves in the pool. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's like That's it. Leaves in the fucking pool, yeah. dude. Um, and you're right. Those days happen, man. I have tough days at work. I deal with people. And dude, I work in a fucking restaurant. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like the worst humans on earth come through the doors of my restaurant on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and some days I utilize it as some really good practice and some days <laughs> I suck at life. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day and in the morning I wake up and I'm like, it's not that fucking bad, dude. You know what I'm saying? As bad as it may seem, it's really not that bad. And that simple you know, tiny philosophy, if you want to call it realization, whatever it may be, um, is pervasive and has continued to be over the yeah. last seven years. Um, you know, watching my dogs play, knowing that my bills are paid, having goals and aspirations and watching them come to fruition, yeah. you know, is, is a mind blowing thing. You know, when people say like, you know, well, how many meetings do you go to this week? None. I didn't make a meeting this week, you know? Are you, you know, oh Lord, oh, have mercy. God, you know, are you, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, no, you know, do you ever think about getting hikers? No, yeah, <laughs> you know, no, I don't. And I'm gonna tell you a quick story. So, Mardi Gras last year, um, I have a lot of friends that are not sober. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I have a pretty good, healthy mix of sober and not sober friends. And for me, I think that's a, I think I'm very fortunate, and B, I think that it's something. Um, if you're a sober person and you limit your life to be surrounded by people, um, simply because they don't drink or do drugs, um, I think you're doing a great disservice to yourself. That's just my personal opinion. Um, because I hang out with people based on their personality, based on what I get from them. And when I was a kid, um, my mom would take me to church and she was a born again Christian. Right. Um, and I grew up thinking that unless you were a born again Christian, mm -hmm. um, you, you weren't going to heaven. Like yeah. You were basically a bad person. Um, my house at the time was kind of a shit show in terms of, you know, I, I don't want to say love, but you know, my mom did a lot of yelling. You know, it wasn't necessarily the most uh, serene environment. Mm -hmm. um, and I would go to my buddy's house, who you know, his parents drank. They were normal people. You know, they cursed. You know, they didn't go to church. But there was so much love in that household. You know, there was love. They, they, you know, they sat down and did homework with my buddy and, 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 and his sisters. And, and they went on vacations. They did all these things that I didn't have at home. But they weren't going to heaven. But they were right? going to burn for eternity. In yeah. a lake of fire. In a lake of fire, dude. <laughs> I'd be like, how are you going to burn Mrs. D in a lake of fire? Oh, like, she is poor Mrs. a D. saint, dude. Well, you know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, didn't make the rules, man. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and again, so, you know, looking back at that and that experience and those people is the same way that I view what I'm talking about with who we surround ourselves with in sobriety. I have some, the best people that I know that drink. Some of the best people that I know smoke pot, you know, that has no effect on who they are as a person. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh,
Come on with it. <laughs> Come on with it. And <laughs> did you see that black stare, dude? I was like, what? Well, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you had like something that you thought you shouldn't say, or some, or or you just got into a blank. It was a total. That was a total mental blank, man. I yeah. think. Well, so, I don't even know where we're at. It's all good. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> I surround myself with, you know, all of these different types of people, but, but, you know, breaking down these misconceptions that we have of, you know, what sobriety looks like Mm. and, you know, who we are as a sober person. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of silly, you know, and, um, you know, after, so after my wife and I started hanging out for a while and started to form these, this, this really cool relationship, um, I remember her looking at me one day and she goes, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, well, you know, I work for my father and I'm going to take over the company and I'm going to, you know, and do all this stuff. And she's like, okay. She's like, but is that what, you know, is that what you want to do? You know? Um, And, uh, you know, that got me thinking. And, uh, you know, from from there, I really started to ponder uh, about where I was at in life and what was going on. And... um, how how long were you sober at this point? So, so this was two probably 2013. So two years sober, mm-hmm. about two years. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you were probably. It's funny because I was kind of in a similar place around that time, and I had already and I had decided. Yeah. What the rest of my life was going to look like at that point already. Yeah. Remember we were going to school together yeah, and it got all laid it. out. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And uh, and. And it, it took, it was hard for me because like I had made up my mind about a certain path mm-hmm. and, and told myself that it was God's will for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's, you know, I told myself, this is the path that I'm meant to take or whatever. And it was very, and, and, but it didn't connect with how I felt inside. Mm, exactly. And for, and to make the, like, and, and I've had a lot of moments like that in sobriety, I feel oh, yeah. where I've had to like get honest with myself that's hard yeah. right but like once i make that decision and go okay yeah who am i kidding right or this is not this is not what i'm meant to do there's another way there's another path. like everything opens up right the whole it feels like the world gets just 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 like expands all of a sudden yeah. but it just takes for me to have that one moment of finally going okay i'm pretending <laughs> right. i'm for i'm yeah. I'm, I'm, t- I'm totally forcing this thing <laughs> yep right now <laughs> and just and just let go yeah you know it. really just relinquish a little bit of control mm-hmm. and uh and and all of a sudden it's like wow i'm open <laughs> to these like possibilities right again yeah. like the millennial like johnny you really can do all this stuff you know yeah. um and yeah that's what started to happen and um you know that started the you know thinking about the move down to new orleans uh it's something that my wife always wanted to do and i came down here and and visited i was like yeah let's do it um coinciding with a career change and it took me when i decided to leave my father's company which is probably the most difficult decision that i've had to make while in sobriety Mm. have that conversation with them it took me six months to build up the courage talking to people, talking to my sponsor, talking, bouncing yeah. it off, well, yeah, you know, and I get up every day and I go in the shower and I'd, I'd have the conversation in my head, right? You know, we do that, you know, yeah. the whole thing. And, you know, I'd play him and then he'd, you know, back and forth yeah, yeah. in the shower. And uh, six months, dude, before I finally like, listened out, I, uh, you know, we're, we're moving to New Orleans and, you know, and, and the whole spiel. And then and, the next uh, day you moved. 
<laughs> and I was like, peace. <laughs> um, you know, gave him ample time. Yeah, yeah. And we did everything right. You know, we, we, we sold our condo. We, you know, got set up down here. She had a job lined up and she had done a career change. And, um, and I kind of left the possibilities open. The only thing I, want, I, I really knew is that I wanted to go back to school and I wanted to pursue a career. Um, you know, helping people. Yeah. And a lot of times in early sobriety, it looks a very certain way, right? Yeah. We want to be a social worker. We want to, and, but the intentions are pure. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's evolved. Yeah. Thank God, you know, since I moved down here, I started going to right. Yeah, dude, Fuck you know. Me, thank God. No thank, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I'm going to be a social worker. Yeah. I'm going to go to Tulane and I'm going to be a school social worker, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I started from scratch. And uh, what I found out about going through the process of school is that I really like math and science mm -hmm. and I hate social sciences, yeah. which isn't really good for a social worker. Yeah. Um, which is why things kind of evolved into, into this nursing route. But, you know, but to, to, to reel it back in for a second though, you know, all of that stuff and everything that's transpired and all of those decisions and all these amazing things move into this amazing city. And, and I mean, dude, our life is fucking amazing, dude. Mm. It really is like, you know, Things that bother me in, in New Jersey that I want to change was sitting, you know, in traffic in an hour every day. I was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I was able to make that to make that move, you know, and we were able to change things and, and, and form our environment to 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 what we want. Yeah. Um, and walk through fear. Right. Because it's all fear based bullshit. God dude. Damn, all of this stuff, you know, and, and, and that's the, the other thing about being sober is like I, I, I have these fears. Um, I know that I can't shove a needle in my arm to get rid of them, nor do I want to anymore, you mm -hmm. know, uh, to the point where, and I remember what I was going to say when that blank spot <laughs> happened, that was a pretty cool little segue, but, uh, <laughs> I think we handled it well. Yeah, we did. You know, <laughs> if only you could see the look on my face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just like Kurt, the acid kicking or something. Was that? No. <laughs> um, tweet coming in. Right. So, so uh, Mardi Gras last year, right? And this is like, for me, it was a perfect example of when people ask, you know, Kurt, do you want to get high anymore? You know, do you, do you ever think about getting high? You ever think about drinking? And, um, and when I look at somebody, it's like, I, if I, if I can just convey how deeply I want to say no to you, yeah. uh, but I can't do it more than no. Right. Yeah. So Mardi Gras last year, um, we're out, we're, we're dancing. We, we, walk Julu, um, you know, all the way down to the quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, we disband and I'm with, again, so I'm with people that do drugs on Mardi Gras day. Right. Yeah. And, um, it's hot. It was a hot Mardi Gras. I have this ridiculous costume on and we get to this convenience store and we're going to get some water and I start to feel weird. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, man, I don't feel right, dude. Um, I take my hat off. I start disrobing. And I remember as we were dancing along the route, I had drank my one out of my friend's water bottle. Mm. Now it's Mardi Gras day. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what we're talking about, uh, it's a wild show. It's <laughs> bananas. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I drank out of her water bottle. So of course in my, you know, 32 years of active addiction experience should not have done that. Now this is one of my friends, mind you. So, First of all, who puts their drugs in water? But I didn't know. So I'm starting to feel sick. I'm starting to feel weird. And my first thought is, fuck, oh, I got dosed, dude, right? Yeah. And it was that. So basically, I was getting heat stroke, but I couldn't tell if it was heat stroke <laughs> or if I was coming up on a roll or a yeah. trip, dude. And, like, oh like, yeah. and I got scared. And, and, and my friend walked up at the time, and I was like, I was like, 
please tell me there was no drugs in that water. And she was like, of, of course not, dude. Like, I, <laughs> a, I would never hand that to you. Yeah. And B, who puts her drugs in water? But anyway. Um, I mean, you don't know. You've been out the game for a while. There's all kind of new <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> right. it's, like, it's like, who puts their drugs up their ass? Uh, me. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but <laughs> exactly. Like, Curtis, drug, the water is the drug. Um, and dude, I, you know, after, so I, you know, I start feeling better and I have some water and I feel fine, but there was about a 30 second period where this intense fear came over me that I was going to be under the influence of some drug wow. and it was going to ruin wow. my entire day. Now, anybody out there who has any experience with, especially hallucinogens, yeah. if that had happened and I started to trip. You got to roll with it, too. Yeah. You know, you, but you, you'd you're not going to fight it. You know. <laughs> you fight it, you're, you're going to lose. You can't fight it. Yeah. But there was, so there's that 30 seconds of like, wow, yeah. what the fuck am I going to do? And like almost wanted to start crying. Like, mm. no, I don't want to feel. I was having so much, so much pure joy and fun. Yeah. You know? Um, wow. So again, so it, it, in seven years of people asking, you know, girl, you still want to get high, you know? Mm -hmm. If that moment can sum up how much I love my life yeah. and how badly I, I don't ever want to adulterate, you know, the, 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 the clear conscious that I have. That was it in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny because like I've had some of the most like, like, uh, like people, I, I say this and it's one of those things that you hear mm -hmm. when you get sober and you hear people say, man, you'll have the best times of your life. And you go, what the fuck ever? <laughs> yeah. You don't believe it, you right? Know. Because because it sounds cheesy and you feel like they're putting on and some people are some people are saying it and being dishonest. Let's be let's for sure. You know, some people are doubt. saying that and just trying and telling themselves, you'll have the best time of your life like I did. Right. They're just <laughs> hating it. <laughs> Every step of but, the way. But yeah. that being said, I have literally had the best times of my life in sobriety. Mm -hmm. And it's been those, you know, you know, just those. I remember the first time I danced mm -hmm. sober was an incredible experience. And I remember thinking dancing is a spiritual experience. Yeah, dude. It really is. Like, like, and dancing sober because dancing drunk is cheating. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like dancing sober is like, because no matter how many times I do it, I always have to overcome. Yeah, I always have to like get who's get, looking at me. I always have to get over myself, <laughs> right? right? And it's like, ah, da, da. and then the, that moment comes at some point when you finally just let it go, let it go, yeah, and dude. it's the most amazing experience in the world. Yeah. And like, and that's and and that's sober. Yeah, you know, and so much fun. And I, and I remember the first New Year's Eve. Yeah, uh, that I celebrated and danced. It was like an incredible experience, and it's and that happens all the time, all the time. Yeah, and and you know, trying to explain that to and, and again, you know touching on the on the disservice that I think we do to ourselves mm -hmm. from avoiding right people places and things in certain situations even in sobriety like you know I go as you know and everybody who knows me know I go to a lot of fish shows yeah uh, and that was one of my biggest fears getting sober is that I was not gonna be able to enjoy these things that I enjoyed so much for, for so many years um, and the profound and I'm talking profound spiritual experiences that I've had on the dance floor during a fish show in the last seven years are mind blowing. Just Labor Day weekend, dude. We're out. We're in, my wife and I are in Colorado with a bunch of friends, and I'm wearing a light up tutu as we do, and mm -hmm. you know a boa, and doing mm -hmm. what we do, and on the dance floor just throwing down. 
and we're with these people. You know, I met some new friends and yeah. uh, the third day rolls around and we're sitting there talking and, you know, they're rolling a joint and doing what they do and they find out that we're sober. Mm-hmm. Three <laughs> days go by. And no, three, can yeah. not be- they're like, get, get the, the fuck, fuck out of here, <laughs> dude. Nobody dances like wow. that sober. Yeah. And then, of course, my other friends who know that, you yeah. know, they're like, know me, they're like, oh, yeah. 100%. Dude. Yeah. They're total nerds. It's, you know, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and I think that really does. And then I've had so many experiences being around people, especially in settings like that. Mm-hmm. Where maybe they're struggling with yeah. something that speaks so loudly, dude. And they'll pull me aside and be yeah. like, So, you know, what, what was going on? What, you know, how long yeah. have you been sober? And it opens the door, and they go, What? Yeah, because that seems that that seems like an impossibility whenever you're in in the grips. People can't figure it out, yeah, they can't figure out how someone can enjoy themselves so much without being under yeah. the influence of alcohol and drugs. Um, and I've had so many of those really cool experiences outside the realms of the rooms. You know, yeah. I, I honestly believe that some of the best conversations and, and, and best 12 step work, if you want to call it that, that I've been able to do in the yeah. last seven years has been in the workplace. Yeah. Again, I work in a restaurant in new Orleans yeah. surrounded by it all day long. Yeah, yeah. And you know, to be able to have conversations with people who see again, like the life that I live and how much fun I have, man, is just uh, is uh, it, it's mind blowing. It's really, really cool. And um, you know, to limit ourselves to only doing that when somebody walks into an A room, yeah, um, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and but and to be fair, you're gonna find people needing help there. Of course, right? Without a shadow uh, of a doubt. So, and it, it's a, but yeah, it's a widening circle. Yeah, you know, it it widens and uh, and 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 it goes from from where we practice, right? And and it, and it carries out into the rest of the world, right? And you know, and and you said twelve step work, right? And it's yeah. it's all of our affairs. It, it's it specifically it. says that. Yes, exactly. Specifically says that. Right. Right. And uh, I think same as you. You know, like I find that. You know, whether it be my family, whether it be the people I encounter here at the shop, um, there's always, always, always carry what I've learned in, in my, in my sober experience, in my journey with me, yeah. you know, and it's made my life incredibly better. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. A hundredfold. A hundred percent. Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy stuff, bro. Yeah. Are we, are we done here? I don't know. What do you think? I think that's a great fucking podcast, bro. I think it's pretty cool. Man. Can I just yeah. continue to talk into this to hear myself? Or? Sure, if you yeah. want. You know, we'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man. Damn. Um, great episode, man. This is good. You know, just and, and, and just real quick. Let me just uh, wrap it up. I, yeah. yeah, I just want to wrap it up. Hit him with a wrap and, up. And, and like, you know. Or go, um, or go another 20. That's or just fine. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't let me stop you. <laughs> I got to be up at 6 a.m. Yeah. It's fine. It's your, it's your world. I'm playing around. <laughs> um, but like, um, I, I got to be honest with you. I had a little, a little fear coming and doing this mm-hmm. at first um, only because of, <laughs> this again blows my mind that I'm about to go to nursing school. Yeah. And what I've been doing for the past six months to prepare for this, I've had to pull all my criminal records, mm. um, you know, drug testing, like do all of these things to get into a field where, 
Really? If they knew, dude. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, we won't we won't divulge your identity here for sir. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like it's uh, it's not something I ever thought about. I was yeah. that dude for years, man. I'd shout it from the rooftops. Yeah, I didn't yeah. care. Oh wow. Who knew? Who you know? Um, and there's been um lately this level of discretion that has come into my life in yeah. terms of um you know this life that we live, mm-hmm. um, and I'm really looking forward to starting a career where you know the 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 transformation of what i originally set out to do um you know with that that tiny little seed of i want to help people yeah um is finally now coming to fruition in a way where i can see the end you know um and i specifically want to work in the va um and be a nurse in the va system and uh and, and help other veterans um and do it in a way where it doesn't have to be like we we have this i i had this uh, th- this vision of what somebody helping another alcoholic looked like in form of not doing it only altruistically, like making yeah. a career of it. And it had to be in the sense that, you know, the way that I always experienced it one-to-one and like, you know, in a rehab setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I can like, you know, this vision of me like being maybe like in an ER or, an, you know, yeah. and seeing that dude come in, you know, they just narcan and like, you know, having that one quick moment with somebody because I, I can remember, yeah. I remember all those nurses, man, yeah. in the ERs. I remember man. the nurse who found me smoking a cigarette in the ER bathroom, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. who came and was like, baby, you can't do that. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And that you could have an incredible impact on somebody. Yeah. So really looking yeah. forward to that, man. But. Wow. Well, dude, good luck on that journey, that, bro. Yeah. That's that's just incredible. That's a miracle. That's just, whoo, yeah. Ah, I'm inspired right now. Just say no, kids. Yeah, just say dare no, <laughs> to dare to say. <laughs> all right, cool. So thanks a lot, man. Uh, you got it, brother. All right, I appreciate it. Appreciate you. All thanks right, for man. coming.